0: And welcome back to another Who Gives a Hoot episode. But the reason why this one's different is because we have a union home win on top of it. And we've got to talk. And we and we got Liam on the on the podcast, our chief writer, or whatever your title is. Uh, we've got him here. We've got Luke here. We've got Patrick Tyler, the best full name of the business here, all here to talk about it because. I was not at the game because I had a bachelor party. Boo-hoo. I know I'm a terrible fan. Whatever. I don't care. I had a fun time. I don't remember it. Whatever. Uh, so let's just kick it kick to it you. T- I saw I saw highlights. Is that good enough? No. Yeah. I saw highlights. No. I, I saw you, highlights, Matt, highlights.
1: You also weren't there because you were at that bachelor party. Correct.
0: But he was actually. I I
2: streamed the game on my phone.
0: He was actually at. We were at this really, really nice dinner spot, and he was watching the game while at this very fancy restaurant. Like legitimately streaming. The
3: question is: Was Luke really there at the berm?
0: Ooh, was he? (laughs)
1: Second Second half, half, I was was on the berm. berm.
0: Wow. So now I don't feel as bad. First First half, I was in my seats. Now I don't feel as bad. Okay, so let's just get into it. First win one nothing nice and easy how you doing what Liam you were there obviously well what were your thoughts about the game I how do you think they played what were things that you were impressed by
3: the, at the fir- at the first part when I was actually there I thought we absolutely dominated the game like we were the best team by far then re-watching it a second time you could really realize that this team that we played is obviously the defending champions in North Texas. And it's because of how well they possessed the ball, but their possession based wasn't so much forward. It was a lot of side to side. So that's why it was ultimately union Omaha that looked the better team because of how direct we played.
1: I, I'm just going to throw it out there because the buzzword of the week regarding union Omaha is press or more specifically high press. It's like, yeah, but looking at the way we were, we were maintaining, it was definitely a contain and counter. No, they, they may have had 61% of the possession, but that 39% we had, we looked significantly more dangerous than they did during their
2: 61%. It was one of those games where stats don't tell the story. No.
1: I think the shot stats do.
2: The shot stats definitely do. But just looking at the game, the overall aspect of the game, it really – the stats just don't give the game enough justice. Um, so if there's anyone out there who hasn't watched the game, I would strongly recommend going to ESPN Plus and watching the replay because it was honestly one of the best games, I think, of the week.
1: So I, I re-watched it twice on Sunday and just – I couldn't get enough of it.
0: How was speaking about that? I mean, obviously, for somebody who didn't go to the game, I mean, what was the crowd like? I mean, obviously, we were expecting 9,000 for our opening day, but we only get like 2,000. I mean, what, what was that like? I mean, could did, was it like booming? I mean, was it kind of quiet because it's a big stadium and everybody spaced out? What was that atmosphere like?
1: Oh, that, that was electric. Um, oh. Fun fun note, if you're watching the first five minutes of the ESPN Plus stream, you can see Liam on the field in his white jeans.
3: Light blue,
1: light blue. They look white. white. But, uh, no, it it was loud, Uh, 2,400 people there, uh, social distanced, majority wearing masks while being seated, uh, masks fully worn in the concourse. Um, No, just absolutely electric. There was some a lot of smoke. Uh, Gary, Gary, Marty, and Matt um, definitely made sure that the the pyro was working um, and it was looking fantastic. Um, Parliament came out big, uh, fantastic TIFO, um, you know, calling uh, with, with some very strong social. Uh, Social uh, justice message there, Um, great with flags and social distancing on the berm. Just a very electric, uh, electric feel.
3: I think the big thing that I really came upon was that, yes, it was a socially distant crowd, but at not one point during my time in the stadium did I feel uncomfortable around the amount of people. Everyone was very respectful of each other's spaces, and I think you have to be commendable commend the whole entire crowd of union omaha and being very respectful and not being obnoxious during a very hard time in people's lives they took advantage of a great opportunity to watch professional soccer and they did it correctly
0: were people wearing masks like would you say that
3: everybody was wearing masks would you say 75 percent were wearing masks like what was it? um at in the concourse if you're walking around getting food 100 everyone was wearing masks when it came time to sit down on the stands, I would say probably forty to fifty percent of people sitting in their own space socially distant were wearing masks.
0: But if they but they were socially distanced and then they took off their mask.
3: Yes, correct.
0: That's I mean, that's not too bad. I mean, if we're gonna to talk about I mean, if we're gonna be honest with each other, like that's not that's pretty freaking good. I'm glad that it was hundred percent everybody wearing a mask when everybody's together. That's that's something to be excited about.
1: No, Union Omaha definitely took advantage of uh, their ability to require masks when not seated and eating, uh, eating or drinking, or seated in your seat. And people were very respectful of that and definitely made for a much safer and better environment.
0: Don't worry. We have a whole podcast, by the way, that we're going to talk about the TIFO and we're going to dedicate to the TIFO. So don't worry. I'm not trying to avoid it. Just saying we have a great <laughs> podcast coming later. We've got a couple players on. We got some supporters on and we talk about the TIFO and we talk about that. And that's coming up later. Just thought, that's called a teaser. Liam, if you didn't know, that's called, <laughs> it's, called it's called a teaser. That's, Can I that's, tease?
3: Can I tease as well?
0: Uh, why do we you have it on?
3: Why do we I'm, have you first on? First off, I am a tease. Second of all, <laughs> uh, I am also writing a story on that that we have not coordinated at all. But I am also <laughs> writing a story upon that TIFO and what happened in the events on Saturday.
1: Awesome. Well, question, where where would be be able to find your, your brilliant writing? Good one. Good question. Easily, Good question. my
3: brilliant writing can easily be found on Who Gives a Hoot Twitter account. All the stories get posted there. But if you do not have a Twitter account, just go into your Google browser and just search Who Gives a Hoot blog, it is the first link there, and you can see all of our stories from post-game reactions to pre-game and all around the USL, along with long-form journalism stories that we are posting with my friend Ben Turner, as well as some of my own.
0: Would you say that Who Gives a Hoot is your one-stop shop for everything Union Omaha? 100%
4: local, (laughs) local news,
3: local news is just touching the surface on Union Omaha. Our blog actually is going way deeper and looking more specific into soccer coverage. When I was with the local press, they, they, they did a great job, obviously, but we're going to get to to the X's and O's. We're going to understand why Elma and four made a huge impact coming off the bench. That's what you're going to see in my writing.
0: See, that's, that is a good tease, but you know, what else is a good tease? The bets that Pat has with his owl props. he's got some good he's got some good props coming up and uh, let's let's kick it to him.
2: Alrighty Pierce, thank you so much for that great introduction. Welcome everybody to week three of Owl props. We did it. We won. We beat North Texas and even more so than that, we came out. Winners. If you bet anything on Thrive Fantasy, if you ride or died with me, you got paid this week. And I guarantee you we're gonna be getting just the same with these week three picks going up against FC Tucson Saturday at 930. Now before we get into the picks, I just want to give everybody a friendly reminder that Who Gives a Who is an independent podcast and we have no affiliation with Union Omaha. I know just as much information about the players as you all do. So when you are hearing these bets, please only be listening from somebody that has gambling experience. None of these bets are guaranteed. So without further delay, let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. Like I said before, this is week three. We are coming off of a huge win against North Texas. And we are now going to be taking that same fire, that same energy, and we are going to FC Tucson this Sunday. Saturday, sorry, at 9.30 p.m. The weather is going to be about 92 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, If you know anything about Arizona, though, it's a very dry heat. So I don't really expect um, the heat to really be much of a factor. Plus there's also going to be a very nice 7-mile-per-hour breeze coming at them. So I don't think weather is going to be playing a huge impact in this game. So FC Tucson, they're having a really interesting season so far. Um, They came... They're having a lot of difficulty with chances. Um, If you all saw that Fort Lauderdale game for them in week one, they came back uh, in the 90th minute and scored two goals to beat them, but then they came back and suffered a loss against Chattanooga. Um, They didn't play terrible at Chattanooga. In fact, FC Tucson has one of my favorite defenses in the league right now, but the problem is, is that they just don't get enough chances, and I think that's definitely going to be playing for us Union Omaha, and I don't think that it's not going to be a very high-scoring game, I feel like, but I do feel like Union Omaha is going to come out on top with a 2-0 victory. So going into that mindset, let's get into the picks. Pick number one, Juan Mare. Zero and a half goals. Got to take the over on this one. Juan Mare has been so good these last two weeks, especially against North Texas. He is Right there. He's getting the chances he deserves. Um, I don't. Again, I think this is going to be a 2-0 win. And I think one of those goals are going to be involving Juan Mare. So, I would definitely pick him up this week. He's hungry for goals. You know he wants goals. And he's going to get those goals. Pick Juan Mare. If you don't, you're crazy. You are just crazy. Alright, going into pick two. We got Rashid Nuhu. Three and a half total saves. And you know I'm taking the under on this one. You just know it. Rashid Nuhu had a fantastic outing against North Texas last week. He had two impressive saves. But again, he doesn't have much going at him because it's a brick wall defense. Brick wall. Do you know what that means? That means nothing's getting through it. Nothing. And if you think the last two weeks... He has only seen two shots where he has been able to save something. And I think, again, going into uh, Tucson with their lack of chance creating, I really think you're not going to see more than two going up against Rashid. So take that under. That is easy money. All right, now we're going on to pick number three. We got Damia Vyader, Zero and a half goals plus assists, and you got to take the over. Damia the Teo Hernandez of USL League 1 and Union Omaha has been phenomenal. He had another great outing against North Texas, and it's only a matter of time before he gets a goal and assist. And I really think this game, he is going to be shining, and he is going to bring in a deadly cross, and it's going to probably be either Juan Mare or Evan Conway getting the, the result for it. So please, 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 Take Damia Viatr. If you don't, you're a coward, and you know it. Alrighty, going on to pick number four. We got Sebastian Contreras, zero and a half assists, and I'm taking the under on this one, guys. I gotta tell you, I gave Union Omaha a lot, a lot of slack and a lot of crap for how they came against New England Revolution two a couple weeks ago, and they proved me wrong. They were so good last week. They had so much better cohesion in the midfield. And it's a lot coming from Sebastian. He had almost 50% of his passes completed, including an interception that led to a great counterattack in the second half. Um, so I think that I think going into FC Tucson being... That as it is with that defense I don't see Sebastian really being in much of the attack I see him more kind of staying back kind of like what he did against North Texas so I don't really see him being involved that much on the road that's why I want to take the under on this one it's it's it just makes sense so going into the last pick you know who I'm picking Evan Conway zero and a half goals and assists and you gotta take the over I'm not kidding when I say Evan Conway is like the flash. He is there in an instant, and he is there to make an impact. He, I, last week, I told you all to pick him, and guess what? He got the first goal in Warner Park history. So he made his mark. He did his thing. And, I'll, of course, coming from my man, Ethan Venicor Decker, so if you don't think he's going to do the same thing at FC Tucson, you're crazy. You're just absolutely crazy. So you better take the 0.5 goals and assists over 130 because you know he is going to hit it. Now this week is going to bring a challenge. I've already hit through my five picks of the week. So this next pick I am now currently introducing as my icy hot pick. And with this pick, it's going to be Ethan Vanicor Decker, 0.5 assists, over 135 he is the uncle Rico of USL League one and you can't convince me otherwise he had a beautiful assist that barely missed Elma but definitely connected with Evan Conway for that first goal he is the GOAT and now you're probably wondering well if he's so great why is he your ice pick the problem I have with this pick right here is that there is a huge possibility that Elma is gonna take this next spot. And the reason I think Elma is gonna take this next spot is because Elma is a huge reason why Evan was able to score that goal. And he has done the same he did the same thing against New England Revolution 2, and he did the same thing again against North Texas SC. But this time against North Texas XC, he managed to capitalize and create that beautiful chance. So there is a possibility we're gonna see a change in the lineup where elma might start over ethan van decker but in the case i'm wrong which i am wrong a lot he will be on the pitch and he will be easy points so this is why this is my icy hot pick you can go either way on this one i'm gonna let you choose but if it were me i would rather have ethan van decker as an ice now again Going up against that, we have one more ice pick to go through, and that's Jacob Kroll. Zero and a half goals and assists, and we're going to go under 65. Like I said with Rashid, we have a brick wall defense. And we I preached it first week with Dalton when there was the New England Revolution 2 game, and I'm going to preach it even louder with Jacob Kroll getting that start over Dalton due to an injury. He was great. There was... Everything was great when it came to Jacob Kroll. And it was even better than I could have even hoped for. And if you if it was me personally, if I was Coach J, I would just have three in the back. I would do it with Jacob, I would do it with Dalton, and I'll do it with Elal. Because those three have proven that they are incredible. So I don't know if Jacob is actually going to start. I don't know if it's Dalton who's going to start. I really can't tell you because it seems like Jay is kind of trying to choose between the two right now. So that's why I have him as my ice pick. But if he is playing in that match, just expect him to be the under because I expect to be the same kind of defense how we win against North Texas. So there you are, folks. Those are my picks for the upcoming Union Omaha match against... FC Tucson, if you want to follow along with these picks or make your own suggestions, go to ThriveFantasy.com or download the Thrive Fantasy app now on the App Store or Google Play. And when you create your account, make sure you use promo code HOOT. That's H-O-O-T. When you use promo code HOOT and you deposit a minimum of $10 or more you will receive $10. That's free money, folks. That's a free $10 from us to you. So head over to Thrive Fantasy, prop up on this Union Omaha match.
0: And those are some great bets. Wow. I I mean, I have no knowledge of anything, and I didn't listen to your bets segment, but I bet they're great bets, Pat. Appreciate
4: it, but kind
0: of hurtful. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, But anyway, let's talk about this week's game. Saturday night, 9.30, a game that I'm going to try to stay up and stay awake for, FC Tucson. What are we thinking, boys? Luke, we'll start with you. What are you thinking? What are you looking for?
4: What? Do you think we're not getting
0: three points? Because
1: we're getting three points.
0: That's – I think – I mean, like, my only problem with the whole game is I have to stay up. I mean, 9.30 for a start time, that's late.
1: Oh, you know, some of us uh... – some of us know how to have caffeine after 3 PM. That's true. That's yeah, fair. Ball ball.
0: And but. and Liam, if you say anything, you college boy, about staying up, I'll kill you. Because back in my
3: day Hey, all man. I gotta say is I work till nine PM, so I am ecstatic for a nine thirty PM. I am so pumped. So what
0: do you so Luke, you think three points easy going? I mean, I mean what kind of score line are you think? I mean what what are we thinking here? Uh
1: I think uh, their last game was against uh, the Red Wolves. Mm-hmm. Red Wolves got a win there. A lot of cards in that game. I think there were eleven uh, uh, total. Uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm. They're five cards uh, off Tucson. So younger team or er, uh, le- less playing time together. I th- believe they only have one player um, still on the roster from last year. Uh, there are two sides for Phoenix, which you know uh, definitely drew some. They traded away some players. We got um, Luke Howsworth, um, I believe, came from them. He's been doing some fantastic work on our back line, uh, holding that down. And you know that my, my boy JP, uh, he's Nogales, Arizona. That that's uh, that's gonna be close for for a home game for him. Uh, I see him. I see him sinking one.
0: All right. I like that. Good start. Liam, what are you thinking? What are you feeling?
3: So the problem with FC Tucson is their inability to create chances. And so we saw that in their first game against Miami, or Fort Lauderdale, excuse me. And where Fort Lauderdale was down nine men to them and they couldn't create chances until the 95th minute when they won with all three points. That's what they really struggled with with the Red Wolves. Um, and so they bring on logged in from the bench along with Cohen and Cohen misses a penalty. Which could have saved them, uh, given them a point in the 68th minute. Just a brutal penalty taken, Jeez. just on height and just just poorly taken. So he's going to be regretting that. So we'll see what can happen. But their back line is really solid. Oviera will be playing left back, and he delivers some really good crosses for Tucson. But the problem is, is is the creativity up front. So we'll see if they can if they can rectify that through uh, training this week, and maybe we see something else. But. I I see a 1-0 win for for Union Omaha. I see a lot of similarities with what's happened against the Revolution. Just kind of an ugly game, and hopefully we can squeeze one out because Union Omaha will be on the front foot the whole entire game, Uh, whereas last week we were playing a lot of that uh, counter-style football.
0: Now, this is kind of an off-the-ball question I mean, Union has played in New England and then they played in Omaha and now they're playing in Arizona. I mean, they're literally going coast to coast. I mean, how, what kind of effect do you think that would have on a team? I mean, that's not being talked about, I don't think, enough. I mean, to make that kind of travel right now off the very early of the season in your very first as games as an organization, what, what do you think that does for a team?
3: Right now, not too much. We're so early in the season where everyone's very excited. I would say, but once we get later in the season in October, maybe we'll start to see some fatigue. But I think the boys are just too jacked up and to play and just to be out in the pitch, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing. Definitely.
0: Uh, I, I guess I I didn't give my prediction. Sorry to cut you off, Luke. Uh, I've got I've got Union Omaha winning two one. Go ahead, Luke. What'd you think?
1: Uh, I think we're going to see more of what you're talking about with that travel against Chattanooga. Okay. Uh, you know, the boys are going to be flying out to Tucson. Uh, there's no no easy direct flights that that lessen the travel. So they'll be going into Phoenix. That's right after Phoenix. Uh, you know, getting down there either late Friday, early Saturday. Uh, I, I just, I think that's going to be the easiest part, but then the amount of hops they have to do to get to Chattanooga. That, that's where I'm going to worry a little bit more about the fatigue. But I think we're coming in strong. I think the boys are ready. Uh, and, no, you know, they're going to take those three points home and hopefully another three points next Wednesday.
0: Amen to that. Hard to argue. We've got a lot of great content like we've been talking about. We've got – if you want to see, we've got post-game, pre-game, halftime reactions on our Twitter page. We post videos. We've got a lot of cool stuff. We've got podcasts coming. We've got – I mean, Liam's producing so many good blogs. Ben's producing so many good blogs. We are your one-stop shop for Union Omaha, so go to our Twitter, go to our Facebook, like and follow us. We just got to our 500 follower on Twitter. Thank you guys can so just,
3: much. Go ahead. Can I throw something in? Yeah, knock Kurt it out. Pierce? I yeah. think we should call this the Who Gives a Hoot podcast and blog. Yep. Why not? I, 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 think, I think being a singular entity is hurting our brand.
0: I think I think Pat is has emailed people saying, Who Gives a Hoot media? So like,
1: Ooh. yeah,
0: I know. So it's my, I mean, we're, I mean, this is a private discussion we're having in front of all of our listeners, but yeah, we're, I, the, I we're mean, in the discussion.
1: If you want to meet all of our players, except Devin Boyce, yes. you can always tune into our YouTube channel as well. Cause during COVID we, we talked to every single one of them. Legitimately
0: every single one of them, except for Boyce.
1: Plug, and we,
0: plug, plug, plug.
1: So plug. Just, three forms of media. At your and, fingertips,
0: and you know what? I had a great transition until you guys interrupted me because we were talking sure. about travel so i'm gonna I'm gonna just act like act like that was never said speaking about traveling and the future of the season, we have a great interview with Stephen short, VP of League one no that, that that doesn't hit the same it just doesn't it just doesn't hit the same it's okay whatever we got a great interview with Stephen we talk about the future of League one and we talk about everything going on right now and with expansion and I think we touch on uh, relegation just a little bit, but uh, make sure you keep listening to that. <laughs> hey guys, before we get to the interview, I want to talk to you guys about Global Scarves. Global Scarves is the premier supplier of custom soccer scarves, beanies, blankets, and other great fan merchandise. They have the lowest pricing to maximize your fundraising needs and to produce at the highest quality in Europe where soccer was born. They know the product, and they know what it means to put that scarf on for match day. They work tirelessly to make sure that you are outfitted to support your club. Email Global Scarves now to find out more information on the process or to get a free design mock-up for your group or club at, Kyle at GlobalScarves.com. <coughs> and we welcome on Vice President Stephen Short. Again, a reoccurring guest. We really appreciate you coming on, man.
4: Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm ready to get my own segment. On the oh, weekly. really? You
0: want? That, now you're just getting cocky, if I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's I just a need little, some air time, That's man. a little bit. All right, hey, Pat, well, I, cut I him think off. Could, cut him off. He's he, done.
1: We he can put a friend of the pod at this
4: point. Yeah. There you go. We'll take it. We'll take uh, it.
0: Steven, we're th- a couple games in for League One. I mean, how do you feel as a front office man for the League One? I mean, how do you feel it's kind of gone so far?
4: You know, I think we look across and where USL had an opportunity to really set the bar. And I feel like we're doing well, but we're not done. Uh, There's going to be some unexpected things that we probably encounter down the road. But our league has done a phenomenal job working with our club owners, um, working with their municipalities and even with their venue operators and their fans to understand that safety has to remain uh, the primary and paramount point. Whether it's for their players, executives, fans in the stadium and the communities. So I think we're doing well, uh, but we have a while to go here, and we're going to continue to work hard to make sure that we put a great product on the field, but everybody remains safe.
1: Now, Stephen, obviously this season is anything but normal. Um, COVID is, uh, as much as we'd hoped that it would have subsided by the start of summer, um, is still very much prevalent across the country. What has... I noticed the league had put out a new testing uh, partner last week with uh, more rapid testing. But as, as the situation constantly evolves throughout um, League One being the only fully national league playing right now, how, how is the league taking that into stride and um, coming up with scheduling solutions or safety solutions to make sure that everybody is staying, um, staying healthy and staying safe?
4: Well, I think it goes back to March, uh, to be honest with you guys, and to tell you when this whole thing started, or at least when it started to Impact USL. And at that point, we started working with our clubs again and, and to understand um, what was happening in each community. Uh, there's a lot of data behind it, like you'll see everywhere. And, and every city is certainly um, being affected differently, which makes this challenging as well. But yes, we did, we did announce a partnership with Let's Get Checked. And certainly a key component to getting back on the field was testing. Um, making sure that um, we can contain any type of spread if, it, if someone did get infected or have contracted COVID. And, and that continues to be a regular occurrence within the league. And, and that is, again, back to safety and health. And working with our groups, you, you can download our return to play protocols on our website. We wanted everybody to see what the league and, and our clubs built um, as a foundation moving forward. And those protocols outline uh, the different protocols for FAA a you know, a player tests positive, or um, a player has to go into quarantine, or if an administrator tests positive, how do we do contact tracing? So, um, all these are different, are important, in their different scenarios. Um, but it's it's key, one hundred percent, making sure that we're all working together as a unit. It's not the league and then the teams; um, it's everyone together as one single entity, working together to making sure that we can put a season on. Um, you know, we're moving to six; we're playing sixteen games this season, and. We'll go directly into a league one final on Halloween. So looking forward to Halloween and a great match. And certainly what people may be wearing in the stands for that one.
0: Steven, uh, I'm a big baseball guy. Everybody on the podcast knows that. And, you know, I'm, my Tigers are supposed to be playing tonight, but uh, they, they had a four game, four game ski scheduled against the Cardinals and the Cardinals get COVID. And then all of a sudden we don't know when yeah. they're going to play. I mean, I, we have no idea what that looks like. I mean, what can you tell somebody? Cause Obviously, it hasn't really happened yet. I mean, what if somebody – let's play the what-if game. If a player gets coronavirus and has to postpone a game, I mean, what does that type of – what's your guys' protocol look like for something like that?
4: Well, as soon as a positive test occurs, uh, the, the player um, or individual goes immediately into quarantine. Um, and basically, it's just an isolation component, correct? So – you know, then we'll start doing contact tracing to see who who spent significant amount of times around that individual, whether it's a, you know, a roommate, or um, you know, where would this person would have encountered others. So we start looking at contact tracing. You can start conducting additional rounds of testing to uh, making sure that the, the test is accurate. Um, you know, obviously there's notification that has to happen in the league, but we built these protocols so if someone does test positive, it mitigates as much as possible. Um, the need to reschedule or to cancel games, right? Our, our clubs carry rosters that are much more than one person. So as we look through that, um, there are going to be instances when we have to postpone matches. I think that's inevitable. Um, we've seen it a couple times already um, between USL, League One, and the championship. Um, but I think the fans also know that um, in the state in which we're um, operating professional soccer and this entire country is operating, flexibility will be key. Um, and understanding that game may not happen on that Saturday night. Uh, But, you know, the league works diligently with all clubs and parties involved to make sure that game can be played. And so I think there's an element of flexibility there while also working in confines of the structure of the season to make sure that we can deliver uh, the best we can. How
0: how does – I mean, because League One is not – I mean, obviously it's not to the size of the MLB. It's not the size of the championship. It's only – it's a very – 11 teams, right? And it's a very smaller league. Does that help when it comes to rescheduling? Does it hurt?
4: You know, I think it depends on the situation, to be honest with you. And that's not to be vague. Um, Geographic proximity certainly helps. Uh, You know, we've seen uh, matches that can be rescheduled. And, hey, that team's going to be down in that region anyway. We can just add another game into that window. Um, If it's a larger distance traveled, we certainly need to look at a different time window. We can do that. Or maybe it is that um, the team makes that trip. They're staying out there an extra day or two, but they're getting two games in. So we may look at that. Uh, we certainly work with both clubs on their availability, um, their, their venue availability as well, um, and what we can do. And I think it's just about finding solutions and working together. But it is different. Um, you know, If we're not the size of the championship, as you said. Uh, we don't have 35 clubs yet, um, but looking forward to that day and you know, the championship, I think, adjusted very well and was able to build into that two-conference and very regionalized groups. And so um, we'd like to do that. <laughs> Just with the 11th team playing this year, um, you weren't able, we weren't able to do it. But down the road, it certainly becomes more of an option.
1: Now, Stephen, I'm going to throw you one last question, COVID-related. Um, okay. And that, then we'll move on to, to happier subjects. Uh, <laughs> we There was an instance um, where players were not or didn't receive their test back until after a game was played. Um, Luckily those came back as false positives, but is there, has since that has happened, have there been steps taken to ensure that tests are received before players are then stepping into, um, into a match with another team?
4: Yeah, I think you do everything you possibly can. Uh, and, and part of our partnership um, with a testing company is is part of making sure that we can get the test back as fast as possible, right, within within a window. And our clubs have worked together with the league and our partner to, you know, we want tests back by a specific date. So clubs will have the opportunity to, one, see the results um, and adjust accordingly moving forward, one, in uh, protection for the players, but two, to also – um, if they have to remove someone from the lineup for a match a couple of days later, they have the ability to do so um, and still be able to be prepared. So, yes, we're constantly working to make processes better. Um, as I mentioned earlier, our protocols are online, but that's not the final version. We know they're living, breathing documents. Uh, we know that um, the COVID situation is ebbs and flows daily, if not hourly, and monitor that to the best of our um, ability and our team's involvement on different task forces so we do everything we can to make sure it's as safe as possible and working with everyone involved so um, we'll continue to evaluate that and i think we should um, to make sure that you know on the field and in the stands we're as safe as we can be now,
1: now that documented up oh, sorry pierce no uh, no go ahead luke uh that document does cover just about everything and as you said very much has to be a living document and one of those things is uh, travel within 500 miles, uh, has to be by bus. Now, mm-hmm. what team is coming next? Because right now we only have Madison. And I, I want some more teams that I can drive to. I know I want some <laughs> more teams to drive to.
4: I want more teams for you to drive to as well. So we should probably work on that. Um, so who who, who is you it? Know, <laughs> you know, I can't blow somebody up right now. But what I, what I can tell you is it is amazing to see that while – there are a lot of um, negative impacts to COVID, right? I think we can all agree to that um, throughout the country and throughout the world, that our expansion conversations are moving normally. And you'll hear us say that, you know, yes, we are in touch with individuals in over 50 markets, but we have a stable, I would refer to it, um, of serious dialogue and efforts in markets to continue to grow the league. And um, I think our COO, Justin Papadakis, mentioned that, there's potential for an out multiple announces by the end of the calendar year. We're still tracking that and it's important for us, but we have to make sure we do it right. Um, you know, to where someone's coming in in the right time frame with the right ownership group and um, the right venue. So we can make sure they have the opportunity to launch properly. And we've all seen what a proper launch can do. It can really set the franchise up for success um, on the field and off and make sure it makes the proper impact in their community. So, Unfortunately, at this point, I'll have to say stay tuned, but uh, there's some fun stuff down the road.
0: So, uh, just to kind of talk about uh, the expansion, I mean, what type of stadium size do you guys look at? I mean, obviously, Union Mall plays inside of a baseball team, so you're not really shy of that. I mean, what are some bare minimum stadium sizes that you guys are trying to look at when it comes to attendance size? I mean, wh- what are those bare minimums that you're looking for?
4: Well, first, the, that bare minimum, as I think we talked about earlier in the year, is actually set by U.S. soccer, uh, right, for what a Division Three professional league would be. And um, But we want to look above and beyond that. One, um, to ensure that the clubs have the opportunity to uh, create the best environment, but also the best economic position uh, for longevity, okay? The second part of that's going to be looking at a facility that either has the ability to expand or that can phase in growth. And let's say that, Uh, You're looking at a stadium that's somewhere between 3,500 to 5,000 initially. And that's pretty much what we see in League One with some, you know, uh, minor um, outliers such as Gillette Stadium and the stadium um, that Fort Lauderdale plays in um, in North Texas and Globe Light. Those are by far three massive stadiums. Um, Great opportunities for us. But I think when we look at that, the industry has changed to where it used to be built big stadiums from day one. Now it is built to your need, but leave that opportunity for growth. So if you have a, state, a team that's regularly filling 5,000 seats and they can make that bump to 7,500 or 10,000 like they've done in the championship, that's the path to follow. Um, that way you can ensure that the club's operating efficiently, the fans have the atmosphere that they want, um, and it's a calculated growth element. So we do start with our minimum standard, um, of 3,500, but um, most of the time the stadiums are coming in larger than that.
1: Now one of those uh proposed um state or proposed expansion sides uh obviously been talked about very much around the USL sphere is Demarcus Beasley coming in at Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um that is a fantastic hungry market, it seems, for for getting in um into our league, into USL one uh that that obviously it isn't quite at the building a stadium, but do we have do we have a timeline uh, roughly for for that? I, I know a few others that probably are pushing out an extra year because of uh, chances um, evolving stadiums. Um, you know, the one I love to tell is Portland. Portland. I, I know that they're they're fighting to, for a stadium space, but when, when you're looking at those new markets, is the stadium, um, definitely a key component to already existing or for, for building the chance to have one?
4: Uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is as vague as that can be. So it's really, it's, it's a fun aspect of, of what we do where you get into a market, identify what's already there. Um, if there's an existing stadium that's available for use for day one, that's huge, right? Allow someone to plant roots. Uh, you can become the primary tenant, Sometimes the cities are looking for new tenants. Um, sometimes a venue may need some, you know, TLC and upgrades. It's certainly an opportunity there. Um, and then there are some that will go into market. We absolutely love it, but you just need to build a venue. And so that may alter timelines. But typically, you know, if you wanted to go the modular uh, stadium route, which we're starting to see a lot of, um, it allows a, a club to get up and running a little faster because they can go up in anywhere from, 30 60 90 days if everything moves swiftly now that's different right it's different than a brick and mortar stadium that's you know 25 to 50 million dollars in investment um, if you look what louisville built lynn family stadium absolutely gorgeous and then their recent announcement with their training ground so i think it depends on the vision of the club and the city and what works for everyone involved um, there will be certainly places where um, you know, we've spent multiple um, visits and hours in other cities where what's in place can work and it can be special. And there's some places where you just have to build a home of your own. And that allows you from the outset to really set the standard for what you want your club to be and what that city wants that club to be. So um, it's a mixture of both. It really just depends on the market and the city and we're in. So that we asked our
0: fans to uh, ask a question. My question, my last question about regulating stadium, stadium sizes, I stole that one, I'll admit, from Chad Wingington, uh, who slid into our DMs and asked that question. Great yeah. question from Thank Pat. you, Chad, yeah. for asking that question and making me look good mm-hmm. until I um, have now admitted that I completely stole your question. Uh, the, next, <laughs> the next question comes from Chip. He says, seems like attendance is an indicator of long-lived team league financial health. What are drivers of high attendance of certain teams, and what can teams with less attendance learn and emulate from them to improve financially?
4: Actually, that's a great question. Is that your question? That was Chip's. That online?
0: was Chip's question. Oh, that, chips. Okay, oh, oh, sorry, oh, that. It's my question. It was it a great. It was a great <laughs> question. It's my question. If it's a good question, if it wasn't, it's chips.
4: You know, and I'll address this directly, Chip. I think that's a phenomenal question <laughs> that, that we spend a lot of time on. In Because we want to make sure that everyone's operating at their best level possible. And so if we um, have a team that's not drawing what other clubs are drawing or someone has really hit that, um, has found that golden nugget, if you will, in their market, we want to know what's working there. And so our club services team, um, which really is kind of an internal consultancy group where we crunch a lot of data and, and try to share best practices, we'll dive in and find out. Certainly, um, you can look through the history of USL, and you can see clubs that have been around for over 20 years. And if you looked at the data, you could see some that have seen full cycles. And I mean, the upswing, you know, you'll know you see a bell curve in some degrees. Um, and then the drop and then it revitalizes. It's almost like you can see phases in the information. Um, what we want to do is make sure that clubs can get to a, a strong level and sustain. And you're absolutely right. Attendance is a key component for what we do. And a lot of times that's going to be the clubs uh, continuing to evolve their practices, continuing to listen to their fans, uh, whether that's new offerings and tickets or experiences, like we're everything from field side hospitality to um, elevated hospitality in Madison, which is really awesome, um, and supporter groups. So you could take a stadium and break it up into quarters if you wanted to, or even smaller factions and say, okay, our supporters group, how do we continue to support our supporters group? and allow them to do what they need to do or what to do in the stadium? Our family sections. How do we continue to make sure that this meets their needs and it makes sense? And you can do that throughout an entire stadium. I think as long as the clubs continue to do that, and there certainly will be times that you'll have need to ramp up efforts. Uh, You know, you saw that we um, announced a partnership with the Aspire Group, who does a lot when it comes to helping clubs understand uh, the selling processes and, um, and the bandwidth behind it and how to become more effective. And a lot of it's experience based. So um, Chip, your question is phenomenal. (laughs) It is something we work on daily um, and something when you really look at every club, it's different. Um, It could be the number of staff. It could be marketing material driven. It could be price driven. And so um, there are a lot of different factors that go into it. And we try to analyze those for every single club.
1: Uh, I've got one last kind of pointed question for
4: Is it from Chip as well? No, this is from
1: me. Okay. Um, There there was a team last year that folded, and their fan base has come back and done a fantastic thing up there, creating uh, Lansing Common FC Mm -hmm. as an entirely community-driven club. Now, currently, as USL1 stands, there's a requirement for... A primary owner with a certain liquidity of an group. Good word. Is there a possibility in the future of opening expansion sides to uh, community and supporter based groups that that form something rather than a single standalone owner who has has said um, benchmark liquidity?
4: Phenomenal question. let me address, answer that in two points if I can. So first, yes, there are USL ownership standards, um, but there also is a baseline set by US Soccer that we have to meet, mm-hmm. um, and there are pro league standards, and those vary by different divisions of pro soccer. Uh, so we, you know, there's a box we have to check there, right? And that's just nature of it. Um, currently, clubs could and have the opportunity, but it cannot be a majority share. Have a community ownership component to them um, we've seen that in the past um, I think Seattle too had a trust um, in which they sold up you know you could acquire a portion of the club um, and that was multiple years ago um, we haven't seen it yet but we've certainly had clubs having that dialogue too and uh, whether it's from the beginning of their existence and or if it's multiple years in under a new ownership or a change of philosophy so whether u.s soccer ever allows a club to be holistically community owned i can't answer that and but i think it is a great question we're certainly starting to see that more at different ranks um but there are but there are clubs certainly that do have a a percentage of the ownership group that you could consider community owned and that comes with a different level of um i wouldn't say entitlement but opportunity right whether you get to vote on jerseys or you have specific access to other parts of the club and decision making and things like that so it, it is interesting to see how um, individual clubs approach that topic and and when it's right for them if it's right for them um, and how they engage their community and how that community community becomes a part of that club so there's multiple factors in there but it's certainly we're starting to see that trend and I I can't answer on behalf of U.S. soccer but knowing that we have to meet our standards there is an opportunity for it should a, a club choose to do so.
0: Well, this will be the last question because I know you got a busy night watching Greenville tonight. Uh, I mean, how – I'll just ask you a very blanket question. Are you happy? Are you satisfied with how the season started for USL1?
4: I am. I I wish it would have started in March if COVID didn't exist. Um, But, yes, I think our guys have done a great job across the board. And um, our league as a whole has really worked extremely hard – Um, And and I don't mean that facetiously. I think you look at each club and each club is working their tails off to make sure that they can do it as best as they can and right for their communities. And it's, it's an awesome opportunity for us again, to have every match on ESPN plus and to be able to showcase these players in these cities and these new venues. I mean, look, maybe your venue last weekend looked great. Chattanooga opened up a new venue. And so, we're starting to see more and more movement there. So I'm excited with where we are, um, but I'm more excited about where we're going and how this league will continue to grow and what the future of it holds.
0: Awesome. Well, Hey, Steven, thank you so much for coming on yet again. You're always welcome. And, and maybe we will get just like a Stephen short, like uh the Steven short, <laughs> short, short, that'll be our segment. There you go. Uh, yeah, like- well,
4: you might keep it short or people won't listen, but <laughs> I, I, I apologize that I wasn't able to be out there for the home opener. Cause I still owe you guys around. Okay. But the next time we're out there, uh, I really look forward to watching the game with you. Guys.
1: Don't worry. We'll see you on Halloween. Yeah, that we'll sounds see you on great. Halloween.
0: Amen to that. Pat, <laughs> Pat, Pat, write that down that Stephen owes us a drink. Write that down. Okay? Yeah, it's public
4: record. I'll, I'll
0: okay. it <laughs> You're good for it? I don't have to, don't have to yeah, go find somebody for it? All right,
4: sweet. Sounds good. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Stephen.
4: Absolutely, guys. Have a great evening.